Why I celebrate? I'm gonna hit you like that every time. The Alouettes, that very team, reloading for another run back to the Grey Cup. The Lions have made a couple coaching announcements, and really, as much as there is change, they are staying the same. We're going to check in with one of the members of that coaching staff that is staying in the same place, Ryan Phillips, and talk to him about the fact that we believe he should be moving to a head coaching role in the near future. We're also going to talk about free agency, speaking of movement including our early thoughts on what every team needs around the league. A coach that is moving to a different spot in the org chart but staying in the same place is Scott Milanovic. We'll talk about his fit in Hamilton, which was rumored last week. Now it is official, and it's also official where you can find us. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CFL.ca, and if you really want to see what we look like and you want to put all of producer Pete's hard work to use, Go to YouTube. That's where our clips are. And while you're there, subscribe to the CFL account because whether it's this podcast or great highlights like the one you heard off the top, we've got a lot of great content for you coming up on the YouTube page throughout the offseason. But let's start right there with the season that has started, free agent season, the Alouettes with some key signings, Enoch. How big is it for the Alouettes to bring some of those leaders back at home? It's absolutely huge. It's uh, very smart on the part of the front office over there. People are going to want to look elsewhere. You want to see if the grass is greener on the other side. And and the reality is you never know how long your career is going to last. And some guys are thinking, hey, look, this might be my only shot at, you know, making a few bucks, even if it costs me leaving the championship team that we have. And so the biggest thing we always talk about this, DB, is having that core foundation and there's no better core foundation than having guys that have been around, that have done it, like the guys in Montreal, the Lemons, the Sankeys, the Johnsons of the world, who are there and have recommitted uh, to the Montreal Alouettes. And so just having the understanding and, and, and the memory of what last season was in 2023 and to start off 2024 right in the right way, having those guys in the locker room is going to be a world of a difference for this team that started the season with a, a, a bunch of struggles, I would say. Yeah, when you look at the offseason this year in comparison to last year, what a difference a year makes. Some of those free agents that they re-signed, uh, like uh, a Lemon and a Sankey, uh, weren't on the team to start the year. Someone like Fajardo wasn't on the team at this point last year and was signed later in free agency. But also when you look at the stability within the organization, not just re-signing some of those players, but you got coaching staff that is in place. You have an ownership group that was in place. The uncertainty around ownership last year didn't give them the ability to go out and re-sign some of their own free agents or be aggressive for others. So it literally is the opposite from where they were a year ago, which puts them in a better position. Speaking of consistency, that has been the key to the rise of the BC Lions, and it looks like it will be the key moving forward as they bring back their entire coaching staff. Considering the fact that there has been some coach movement this offseason Corey mace new man in saskatchewan so he is going to assemble a staff scott milanovic takes over in hamilton so theoretically a new head coach he might want to make tweaks on his staff the vacancy of mace in toronto changed things there you've got some change in terms of the staff in ottawa the fact that 
BC, one of the best teams in the league, and for me, the best staff in the league, stays together is big. Although there is change. In terms of some roles on that staff, they did some tweaks, one of which Ryan Phillips being named his assistant head coach along with DC. We'll catch up with him later to find out, is it just new business cards? Or are you doing some new business for the organization? But in terms of that staff staying together, what does that mean in terms of the BC Lions getting over the hump in the West? I mean, you said it. It's it's that consistency, right? It's that consistency and that understanding that we've been up up until now at this level and we need to get better. And so... Um, they have good consistency within the locker room. They have great consistency, obviously, with the move and the decision to, re- to bring back the whole coaching staff. And so they have a good understanding and knowledge of what's going on in the locker room and what needs to change schematically speaking for them to take that uh, that leap and uh, finally get to the big dance. And so it's going to be interesting to see exactly where they go next year. But if you ask me what they need to change over there, what needs to happen for them to get to the big game, for them to make it to the Great Cup in 2024, to me, well, it's simple. They need to beat the beast, uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, DB. But how they need to do that, to me, they had a good enough team surround as far as the offense is concerned, as far as the defense is concerned. They made noises, you know, throughout the whole season. But the one thing that I feel they needed to do differently next year is commit a little bit more to the running game. Have a guy in the backfield, who, and we've talked to a guy who used to be there over the uh, through the course of the season, who's now in 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 Hamilton. I do believe that they did miss him in 2023, and I'm talking about James Butler. Well, you mentioned what BC needs to do to get over the hump. Why don't we talk to the new man with the new role in Ryan Phillips about what he believes the BC Lions need to do? Maybe we can ask him what he can do in his new role to make sure BC gets to the promised land. Let's catch up with the DC and now the AHC assistant head coach, RP on the way. Now joining us on the waggle, we have BC Lions defensive coordinator and, and gotta put that in there, you gotta add it. assistant head coach. Now, I, I don't know how exactly it works if, if your line of work is like our line of work, and, and I mean, turn to media and where they just give you more titles, but they don't give you more money. Uh, they just give you more responsibility and they don't give you more money. But, but I love to see that we're acknowledging the, the greatness and, and, and giving you more to strive for. You let us know. The and assistant head coach, what, if anything, changes for you this upcoming year? Um, for me personally, man, it's just about growth, right? Um, having the opportunity to evolve. Um, me, I want to be able to put, you know, everybody, you know what I'm saying, on notice of fact of, you know, the growth that I want to do, the steps I want to take, um, where I'm trying to evolve to, and then outside of that, how I can be an asset to the organization. Um, when you're already doing some things um, within the organization that fit that job description, then, you know, you want to be able to take those steps forward. So, you know, I deal with everybody on our team, you know, where if it's offense, defense, special teams, um, those guys are in my room all the time. So, you know, I think that's kind of the things that, you know, come into um, 
full circle when it comes to becoming a head coach. Um, you know, you deal with everybody on the team. So, you know, when you're making those steps forward, you want to make sure that, you know what I'm saying, you're putting yourself in position to be an asset, um, to be looked at and um, in that role, had that type of perspective. So, you know, I'm trying to grow, evolve, you know, be, get groomed in the right direction. So when that time comes, I'm um, prepared as best as possible. RP, um, let me put some respect on your name. Coach, assistant coach <laughs> RP. Uh, you, you mentioned growth. Right. And, and I'm old enough to remember when you were still uh, on the field, lined up in the corner position, waiting for balls to come out there. And so you can pick them. Man, you talk about that growth. What? Because it happened really fast. I feel like, you know, I, we were on the field together. The next thing I know, I'm like, what? What? What's RP doing on the sideline? How has that process been like if you have to look back the transition from playing to the sidelines? You know what? The transition has been great. Um, and I think it's always about, you know, who you have in your corner and who's actually guiding you. Um, I've seen it fail a whole lot of times. Right. Mm -hmm. um, the transition isn't always the easiest. Right. Sometimes you have to understand your delivery, your approach to the game is not the same for everybody. Uh, some people try to implement um, the things that work for them. I think that's the recipe for success for everybody. And those are the things that you have to kind of take, you know, what I'm saying out the picture. So. I think I've been fortunate to have the people I've had around me. Um, I think Rick, um, Amar, obviously our owner, Dwayne, our president, even Rick Lawlister, the president that we had before, um, Ed Hervey and those guys, um, those guys put me in a position to be successful. They trusted me. Um, they trusted me to be able to find my own way. And I think that was, was great. Um, they didn't micromanage. Um, they said, hey, you know, we feel like you have the tools, but just put them in the right direction is the biggest thing. And when you have some people that try to, you know, sometimes handcuff that, and handcuff your ability to do so. I think that's where a lot of times some coaches fail and fail in that transition. So I've been blessed and um, that's a given. And to have someone like Rick in my corner that wants to allow me to be me and doesn't want to take away my personality and my character, which is, you know, I know a little bit different than some of the other guys that's a little bit more calm, you know, and settled. Um, I think that's really, that's helped me evolve to the coach I've become and the success I've been able to have. Well, speaking of personality, what what kind of coach would you describe yourself as being? Because everybody that I hear from BC talking about you as a coach say they love you. But but what kind of coach, in your own words, would you describe yourself as? Honestly, honestly, for me, I would say a, a player's coach with structure. Um, I think sometimes people say player's coach, and they think that you know, um, you know, you allow anything to happen. There's no structure. You let guys do whatever they want to do and things like that. But I feel like, you know what, you got to be able to understand the environment and the culture that you're bringing, um, the guys in the locker room and how that can now come together to make your you know team successful. And I think that can change. You know, sometimes you might have a more veteran group. Sometimes you might have a young group. And that all depends on the guys in the locker room. But if you're not able to evolve, you know, say in this day and age, then you're going to struggle. And I feel like I can adapt to any environment. I think that's what makes me a little bit more of an asset and makes me more versatile as a coach. So, you know, yes, I'm going to be, you know, a guy that wants discipline. Yes, I'm going to have, you know, want a team that has structure. But at the end of the day, also, I want a team that's going to believe in what I'm doing and what I'm building. And if you don't have faith in the locker room, which we all know, you're going to lose anyway and you're not going to be successful. So I want them to believe in me as much as I believe in them. And I just look at myself as a player's coach with structure and a guy that's going to do whatever it takes to be successful. I love that. I love that players coach with structure because you hear the moniker players coach. And sometimes I think it's a backhanded compliment in college. It's the recruiting guy, the pro, it's the personality guy, but players want structure. They yearn for structure. They're like toddlers. They want that structure and they want to know where they stand and what they need to do 
to get more opportunity, to eat more, to, to fall in line. So I love the fact that you understand what a player needs, and that is, at times, structure. But that's the thing I love about the staff is it's full of former players. What does that perspective bring in terms of understanding what the players are going through, understanding the marathon of the season, but also understanding the various different roles and personalities you have in a locker room that need to move in the same direction? Um, I think that also starts with our staff. Um, you know, even though we're all former players, like we all, we also have our own personalities, right? Like I'm a little bit different from Bo, just like even coordinator wise, you know, myself, Benavides and Jordan, like I said, we're three totally different personalities, you know, as far as it goes, but we do things collectively to make sure that we mesh in order to get to a common goal. And you do that in a locker room, right? You got guys in the locker room that come from different backgrounds, you know, guys that's never been to Canada, guys from down South that's never been outside of Florida or Texas. You got guys from the West Coast, you know, that's been able to, you know, just be two and a half, maybe four hours away from home. And that's all they know, you know, but how do you make that, you know, mesh and how do you make that come together? So um, I think that's great about our staff. You know, we have um, guys from everywhere, whether they're Canadian, whether they're American and things like that. And we find ways to make it work. And you have to be able to do that, you know, saying alongside of, you know, making sure everybody's on the same page and that you're growing to that, you know, saying to that um, common goal, which is a great cup. Um, the advantage that I feel like we have as former players is we understand it's a long season. How do we now try to, you know, adapt schedule? You know, I don't care if it's even to nutrition, um, working out, time off. You know, saying like we're speaking from personal experience and also we're speaking from how now the group is starting to adapt, you know, saying throughout the course of the season. So, you know, Rick is great in the sense of being a listener. You know, he'll ask, hey, man, what do you think this will do to affect the team? You know, he'll come in my office and be like, hey, man, you think if we change this, you know, how do you think guys will adapt to that? And when you have a guy that's willing to listen and take, you know, saying some type of not necessarily just advice, but just recommendation. I think that lets you now feel a sense of comfort to be able to go to that person. Um, that player now feels comfortable to come to you in the office, doesn't feel nervous about, you know, being able to be open and have that open discussion. And then also you're not nervous about telling them where he stands and what he needs to get better at and what's going to make our team better. So all those things go full circle. And I think I respect what we've been growing and it showed on the field. And uh, I think we're still growing in the right fashion. I think it's going to all come together at the right time. You talk about growth. Your team, the BC Lions, has been a team that's always been just on the brink there of getting to the big dance. And um, as a player, you play with my older brother for the earlier parts of his his career. And all he tells me is, man, RP was a student. RP was a student. And obviously, you talked about it as well. As a coach, you're always looking for different ways to, to get better. And, and, and you have the right people around you. I played with John Bowman as well, the Hall of Famer. What does it look like for you now to continue to grow so that you guys can, you know, get over that hump that you guys have been kind of stuck in the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, you got to go back to the drawing board. I mean, every year presents something different, right? And there's a different element. Um, these last two years, you know, we got to the, um, you know, the Western final and we had to go to Winnipeg and, you know, kind of lost in the same similar fashions, right? You know, maybe had the ball at the end of the game or towards the end of the game, had some opportunities to win. Um, but it's all about, you know, did you do enough to win? And that's all anybody cares about, right? So for me, defensively, whether it's, a, you know, coaching style, schematics, whether if it's, you know, trying to get the right people, um, whether if it's, you know, us trying to make sure that we're doing the right things in our scouting reports. I mean, I don't care what it is. You got to go back at the end of the season and break everything down. And, you know, the growth of what you're, you know, growing to. Are you becoming, you know, to the point of, you know, 
where anybody can now be able to tell everything that you're doing all the time? Are you becoming too predictable? Um, you know, those are all things that start with me. Um, that's a responsibility I have. I got to make sure that we're doing things right in the meeting room because that's where it starts. And at the end of the day, are we doing things right in practice? Um, you know, that turn on, turn off button doesn't, you know, have a big factor for everybody, right? Everybody doesn't have that capability. So, you know, are we doing those things now to put ourselves in a position to win those big games? And getting, you know, to that point is definitely great for some organizations and some teams, but our expectation is to get to the cup. And, you know, with it being in Vancouver, you know, obviously it's a big deal, but, you know, I don't care where it is. Our standard is to get there and to be a part of the game. And we've been one win short, and we got to make sure we do enough to be able to change that in uh, 2024. So I want to, go inside your mind a little bit in terms of educating people on the X's and O's of the game and, and some of your uh, personalities in terms of play calling. Because when you put on the tape, what you guys did was really interesting tying, you know, the front end and the back end this year. And we've talked about it before, it, you know, historically in our game defensively, you've had two schools of thought. You had Chris Jones, Richie Hall. We, we, we're going to speed you up. We're, we're going to blitz you. And we're either going to get off the field quickly or we're going to die a quick death. But either way, something's going to happen. And they're going to be a bit more uh, of a gambler. Then you had the the Rich Stubler and, and his prototypes who said, like, we're going to make you complete 10 balls to, to kick a field goal. And we're going to defend the entire field and keep our mistakes in front of us. You've done a great job of balancing those two with some simulated pressure. Maybe we'll overload on one side and bring more people than you have on that on that blocking scheme but we're still okay in the back end. We're, we're not exposing ourselves. It, it, talk to me about how you got to that place uh, and, and what your philosophy is in terms of trying to get a QB's eyes down, speed them up in their process, but also make sure you're not giving up explosive plays in the back end. Well, the main thing for me is um, I had to come to a point of understanding that, you know what, man, your scheme is not better than the people you have in the room. Some people get stuck on, hey, man, I just think my stuff is so great that I don't care who I have, it's going to work. And that is a pet peeve of mine. Like, I'm going to be honest. Like, you know what? If I don't, you know, have a whole bunch of man cover guys, then why am I keep calling man to man all game? Like, that just doesn't make sense. But also, how do I get you now to play left-handed? You know, for me, my biggest theory all the time is when I see that officer coordinator start to flip this script around three or four times, then I know I got him. Because at the end of the day, the, the words on the paper ain't going to change. And I tell them that all the time. You know, that's where my fun starts. So I hate when an officer coordinator is in the booth because I can't see him. But when I can look over and I see that thing flipping, I'm like, okay, yeah, now we about to have some fun. But that's also based on the guys in the room, right? And, you know, you got to find balance, right? You know, when you got great pass rushers and things like that, obviously we had a great uh, couple guys in this past uh, year with Betts and Woody Barron and all these other guys from that standpoint. You know, you're able to do some things where you want to get in second long situations or second and mediums and let those guys go do their thing. And how do I get the uh, quarterback to hold the ball? Sometimes that's a man-to-man, sometimes it's in zone, right? You got to be able to have variations based on the guy that you're playing. Um, so, you know, you got to be able to adapt to the guys that you have and you got to have balance and you want teams to play left-handed. Um, you want them now to, you know what I'm saying, to go against what they do very well, get away from their bread and butters. And, you know, we've been pretty decent at that. Can we be a little bit better? For sure. Um, you know, I also take the Western final as an example, you know, yeah, we want to go in stop the run because of Brady and things like that. And, you know, the very first series and so forth, he did his thing, but, you know, I always say, you know, and I laugh about it because he was like, oh, yeah, you know, you guys can be better against the run. I was like, but you look at how we adjusted. You know, he only had 11 yards in the second half. At the end of the day, like, it's okay, how do you adapt? How do you change? Because that's what ends up happening, right? How do you now, now you know, put yourself in a position to be successful? Because those guys scout too, 
you know, those guys are trying to make way to be successful. So, you know, you got to make sure that you're also making adjustments, um, doing all those necessary things. So, you know, we can always be better. You know, this is only been my third year doing it. You know, those guys you mentioned have been doing it forever. And I feel like, you know, the best is still yet to come. And I think I'm going to be even more dominant, you know, as far as like my play calling, my schematics alongside of my assistant coaches. And I think we're going to have the players at that point, And I think we're going to take the next step. I love how he he mentioned that other coordinator because it is a chess match and it is a competition. Like we we always talk about the competition of players, you know, the guy who's in front of you. But I love the fact that he's going up against that opposing coordinator and wants to see him, wants to see who you're working against. <laughs> take me into the emotional feeling when you're showing a lot of pressure, you know, they're changing things at the line, fire, fire, you know, making their calls and then you just bail out and it's like, got them, got them. What's that like for you uh, as a play caller? Honestly, man, that's the time I get to be a player again. Like that's when you see me running out on the field and Rick is in my headset talking about RP, get off the field. Like that's how, <laughs> that, that, that's when it gets it for me, honestly. But RP, you can't go out that far. I'm like, Rick, I'm all right. You know what I'm saying? Like the ref said, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? He's like, you can't go past the numbers. And I'm all the way damn near to the hash mark. And he'd be like, come on, man. Like, so that's my time. You know, like, honestly, I'm living through the success of uh, our players. And that's the only time I get to really get that feeling back. Like, Yes, it's great being a coach and things, but that feeling of being dominant as a player is something that, you know, you'll never be able to get back. And that's the closest thing to it. You know, when you make a great call and you see a guy make a great play to that extent and you see them actually like get the success of it. That's my time of thrill. Right. That's my time of, you know, saying getting able, you know, being able to celebrate with those guys, you know, being able to incorporate myself, you know, in the celebration. And then on the walk back, you know, kind of, you know, get a little look at the, you know, opposition a little bit to kind of laugh. And at that point, I'll go back and say, hey, man, we got to dial it up again. So that's what you live for. You know, that's the competitive nature. And I don't think that should be lost just because you become a coordinator or a coach like you're competing every day and you're competing to win. And I live for that thrill and I live through it, you know, saying through my guys and, you know, they believe in what we're doing and that's the best feeling in the world at that moment. Everybody hates to get back coach like universally. Everybody hates the coach. That's like sideline, sideline. I feel like RP is the kind of guy who's like, tell me to get back one more time. See what I'm <laughs> tell me to get back one more time. Keep me for, the for, game. Sure. <laughs> for sure. For hey. sure. He'll probably be fired by week two. So I can't have it. <laughs> so you talk about you talk about being a player now when you were on the field you made too many plays for me to ever even count we're gonna give you a chance here at the waggle to become a player once again rp okay, all right okay. this is a question we've debated for a long time oh db and i oh boy. all here right we go now don't disappoint me rp all right so you a player again all right you on the field the ball is in the air the game is on the line right it's the fourth quarter and you need to make a play. Hold on, time out. What down is it? That's also part of the conversation. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a third down. The third, thank you. It's a third That's, down. The context matters. It's the third down. All right? And the goal is to what on third down? Listen. Get off you, the field, right? You need to make a play. Get off, no, the goal is to get off the field, right? You need to okay. make. Okay, Just regardless. So regardless. Get, off, get off the field. We're talking to a playmaker here. <laughs> the we ball also, is in the air. We're also talking to a defensive coordinator. All coach. right. So the ball is in the air. And the ball is coming towards you. Contested ball. 50-50 ball. What are you doing? As a DB, are you just batting it down or are you picking it off? Now, let, let me just ask one question. Is it me or is it somebody else? This is you. Oh, I'm going to go get that thing. Come on. <laughs> That's what but I'm talking but about. The, you, know what's, you know what's so bad about it, though? If it's me, I'm going to say I'm going to go get that thing. If Gary Peters did it, I'm hot. 
<laughs> and, 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 and he's one of the best in the league, without a doubt. And I would lose my mind. Like, if he didn't get it, I'm going off. So Coach RP is what. saying, just bat it down. But if RP's hey, on the field, I'm getting it. I got to go get that thing. <laughs> Ain't no doubt about it. Ain't no doubt. Hey, listen, I tell anybody, hey, you, the, the biggest trust you can have is in yourself. Is and in at yourself. the end of the day, like I said, you got to go get it. So, you know, even when you're putting stuff in as a coordinator, things like that, you got to have faith in what you're doing. And when you're out there playing, you got to have faith in what you're doing. And, and if GP comes to me on the side, I say, Coach, man, I was about to go get that thing. I had it. I might be mad, but I understand where his faith and his confidence is. And, you know, and I've been there. So I might be mad in the moment, but I get it. I, I get the thought process, though. I get the thought process. So I know what analytics say. Hey, man, you <laughs> knock it down. You know, say you get off the field, you win the game and all those things like that. But I know, man, like it's almost like one of those things where I don't want to handicap myself. Like I don't want to tell myself I can't do something or I can't go get it. Now, now, if I don't got a chance, now let's just be smart in that regard. But if I know, like I said, I got an opportunity to go get that thing. My mentality, I was going to say, man, go get it. Go get it. I got to be aggressive. Let Canada know we did not have a conversation prior to this because I know camera's going to go off. DV's like, yeah, you probably called him no, and let no, him no. know about this. No, no, no. No, listen. Nah, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He's an OG parent. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> and that is 100%. And my kids will tell you the same thing. And to, hey, I promise you, my 17-year-old's like that now. Like, man, Granny told me that you did. I'd be like, wait a minute. First off, you and Granny's personal conversations need to stop. <laughs> like, like period like and i need to call her and tell her man stop spreading my business because this is getting out of control like let's calm this down all right let's be better let's be better for sure well we talk about being better uh you know we, we love that you're in your role but we also know that it's interim right um and that you have another role kind of, you know, on god's time you have another role but you know we here have been agents if you will agents of change and we use this platform to campaign for coaches mm. who we think have earned it. We're out here saying Bobby Dice needs to be a head coach. He got it. We're out here saying Corey Mays needs to be a head coach. He got it. We have now said that Mark Washington, Ryan Phillips need to be head coaches. So we didn't, we didn't get our, our 10% from those other two. Yeah. Still waiting. But, but as you are in waiting, because we're just trying to get brothers hired over here, talk your talk. I'm sure you've already thought of as you go through your process. When I get that role, when I'm leading the press conference with the the hat on and and family, you know, in in the front row, this is how I'm going to do things. But you're in the job interview now. What's the thing that you would want a hire, an owner, a fan base, a team to know about what they get from RP as a head coach? Man, honestly, man, you're going to get confidence, energy, um, and an ability to get guys in the room that want to be there. The one thing I feel like that I bring a different asset to maybe some other guys is the fact that I know across the league, man, there's plenty of guys that want to be able to play for me. And it ain't based off just off of me. It's the dynamic that I bring. Um, I don't feel like there's ever a time that I can, you know, say not be able to get a guy that want to be a part of what we're building. And I think that's a trust factor. Um, I think that's a an idea of, hey, man, I know this guy, man, is going to put me in a position to be successful for me to get the most out of my career. And sometimes that's, you know, due to the fact that I'm not, you know, far removed. But also, like I said, they can see the fact that, man, I'm a guy that's always pulling for the guy to take the next step. 
Sometimes, you know, within guys, whether that's veteran-wise or guys that are coming from the game, you know, they want to be the last of the Mohicans, right? They want to be the last guy that, you know, was the most successful or, you know, I don't want nobody to surpass me. Please be better. Please be greater. You know what I'm saying? That's the only way the game's going to evolve. But also, like I said, I want that organization to get to wherever it is that we need to be. So even in BC, that was my whole deal. You know, when it came to me coming back in 2019, I knew what the great stage looked like, right? We were successful throughout my time of being there. So I know what the city looked like, what the buzz was like, how to generate that, how to get more people in the stands, how to get people believing in what we're building. Now they're starting to get there to that extent. And now you're starting to see BC Place now get back to what it used to be. So that's the buzz that I know. And I only know success. And that's what I'm going to, you know, say, continuously to strive after. So work and dedication is going to be, you know, say something that's already a part of the territory. But the other assets that I bring, I think is different than everybody else to that extent, not to be conceited, but honestly, just to be who I am as a person and what I bring to the table as a guy and as an advocate for the league, as well as a guy that's going to be about the players and the coach's involvement. Um, as far as, like I said, the league is concerned as well. So I think that you can't miss, you know, you know, if you give me the opportunity, you ain't going to miss. And, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, we're going to seize the opportunity. We're going to keep that thing rolling and you're going to be successful if you're at the bottom, but no matter what, the cream rises to the top and that's what we're going to be regardless. Talk to him. Clock is ticking. <laughs> well, I'm, I was about to say, listen, we're not trying to eat food off of people's plates, but we need to speed up the expansion maybe of the Atlantic schooners. Yeah. Uh, can you eat lobster? Can you get out east? Can you speak French? We got a Quebec team. We go there. Hey, listen, hey, listen. If I need a year, year and a half, man, let me do what I need to do. You know what I'm saying? I, I can get I can get in a few classes, do it online, whatever I need to do. But yeah, we'll make sure, you know what I'm saying? We're definitely going to be prepared for whatever takes place for sure. Yes, no doubt. No doubt. Well, the, the one last thing for me before we let you go is any level, you go down to your high school, college, pro, American, Canadian. So often, the head coaching hire is, well, let's fix the quarterback position. Let's groom him. Let's develop him. Let's keep him happy if we have one. And thus, defensive guys get left out. Even though if you look at who's winning championships, it's often defensive guy. But... On, on being on a team, so often the person who has a perspective on if that quarterback is real or not are the defensive guys. So you, just talk to us about, before we let you go, your ability to develop the whole roster and specifically the, the position that touches the, the ball all the time, the quarterback. Yeah, man, it's, um, you know, it's, it's getting rougher, um, you know, as far as that development goes, right, just because you don't have the time. And a lot of times, honestly, I find it's really based on the coaching position as far as head coach wise. I mean, let's be honest, the leash isn't as long anymore, right? Back in the day when I first even came in, if we talk about CFL wise, right? You talk about the Don Matthews, the John Huffnagles, the Wally Bonos, those guys were in organizations for long tenures, right? Right now, it's like, what can you do for me right now? And if you can't do it right now, then man, you got to go. So the sense of urgency to win now does not always allow quarterbacks to develop in a two, three-year span because that coach feels like, hey, man, if I don't win now, I'm gone. So what do I do now? So even if you think about it, even from the college level, you know, the portal is what it is now because they need somebody to win now because my leash is only maybe two, three years. Same thing now in the league, you know, how can I now get a, a fix it, fixer-upper because I need to be able to win now. And now maybe when I get the next deal, maybe that guy on the back end now can develop while I'm around. But if I only got a two or three year window, I got to get somebody to get this engine rolling. And that's some of the things that you're starting to see, you know, um, that's always now to the forefront. How can I get a guy that's maybe already developed, 
How can I get a guy that is already ready to take the next step? He's already had enough reps. And now at that point now, how can I implement him, you know, in this organization or amongst this team that can get us to win maybe in a year's time? You know, how do we become a playoff team now? That's what helps me sustain my job. So, you know, the development aspect of it now gets to the back burner. And if you're fortunate enough to get a two, three year guy that stayed within that, great. You know, you see the guys like even now, like I know guys like Drew Brown and these guys are now coming to the forefront because he's had the ability now to be around Michael Shea, who's now been there for a while now, Zach, who's been there for a while now. So, you know, he's been able to get some of the benefits of that, you know, being able to you know get off of that. But if you look at everybody amongst the league, that backup quarterback position has continuously kept changing. You know, the, the guy has now moved to another spot where if it's continuously being a backup or now maybe getting an opportunity and now that's becoming now a thing that is slowed down in development. So um, I think, you know, the more that you're getting, you know, back to the old days of guys being able to sustain jobs a little bit longer, that's where development now can be a little bit better, right? They get that same quarterback coach. They get that same offensive coordinator. But right now, like I said, at this time, based off the, the dynamics, it's hard to be able to develop those guys at that stage just because there's not enough time, not enough reps. There's not enough leash for guys, you know what I'm saying, to be able to have that time. So, you know, hopefully it gets better, you know, throughout time. Hopefully when my opportunity comes, you know, I can be, you know, somewhere long enough to be able to develop some guys and, you know, do things in that right. But, you know, it's hard nowadays just because of the evolving door. And, you know, it's just, you know, something that I don't think is going to change, you know, within these next few years at least. Well, not something you have to worry about because you have your QB and BC and VA. Uh, you've got continuity on your staff, uh, which is rare. So really enjoy the blessing that is. It's been a blessing to talk to you. Thank you so much, RP. No, I greatly appreciate it, man, for sure. I appreciate you guys having me, man. And, you know, I'll just keep waiting and watching uh, my mailbox, waiting on my T-shirt. But other than that, we'll get to it another day. Don't worry about that. I'm just going to throw that in there real It's quick. on its way. You need to talk to producer Pete. He's uh oh. he's the one that handles all the stuff with the uh, he can hear you and he has a mic so any conversation okay. you want to have it's uh it, it's it's on now. See that's it's why he's good. not going to be a head coach. <laughs> uh, uh, placing the blame elsewhere, not taking accountability, accepting, uh, uh, absolving himself first and foremost. RP, you an assistant head coach now, you can't get your hands on everything, right? You gotta get. That's people. true. There That's true, so but, but, but we, talk, we just talked about growth, and we got to take responsibility <laughs> sometimes. So within that growth, we got to take some responsibility. So you know what? Hey, if you're empowering or whoever's empowering who, all I'm saying is, man, I'm just going, you know, I'm going to wait till either I see y'all in public or I just wait on my mailbox. Some way I got to get my shirt. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. It's on its way. Wait. It's on its way. Promise you. Nah, I appreciate, appreciate that, your time, man, RP. Sure, man. Yeah, appreciate you, man, for real. I wanted to learn more about how I can ensure the safety of my money. I visited the Canada Deposit Insurance Corporation website to find out how they protect my deposits. I learned that CDIC ensures that eligible deposits in member institutions are protected, giving you peace of mind. I checked to see if I was banking with a CDIC member institution, and I am. So my savings are covered up to $100,000 per insured category. So whether you're saving for a rainy day, planning for the future, or just want to know that your money's in safe hands, it's good for you to check cdic.ca too. Stay informed, stay empowered. Visit cdic.ca to learn more about how CDIC is working hard to protect your hard-earned money. That's cdic.ca to keep your money safe. So we just heard from Ryan Phillips about how he believes not only he could be a head coach, but that the BC Lions can get over the hump. Part of 
being a head coach is having input in free agency in the draft, which is different in the NFL where in the offseason head coaches just self-scout what they're doing on the field from an X's and O's standpoint. As we look at the BC Lions specifically in free agency, what do you think they need to get over the hump? Like we mentioned and like I talked about earlier, DB, they need a running game. They have a good enough offense. They have a good enough uh, quarterback with great weapons at receiver at the receiver positions. A defense that is productive with Ryan Phillips at the helm, but they need a running game. And if I'm anybody in the front office over there right now in BC, I'm making a call back to James Buller. Hey, do you uh, remember us? Do you want to come back? But there are options in free agency right now. We talked about the top 30 last week. AJ Ouellette is still there for whatever reason, but there are some good running backs out there, and that's what they need to do in this offseason for them. No question. I think when you look at the team that they're competing with on paper, we'll see what happens in free agency uh, for top spot in the West for the last couple of years, and I expect that to be the case this upcoming year in the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. To me, it'll be interesting to see what they do in terms of their depth at quarterback behind Zach Claros. Zach has been nicked up. A little bit. They have developed quarterbacks so well that now the rest of the league has come and started to calling. Does Chris Strebler come back into the CFL? If so, is that as a starter? If if not, would he be a backup and potentially a short package guy to take some of the physical hits away from Zach? So what they do with that quarterback room is interesting because when Zach got there, it was a pretty full room. I'm interested to see what they do with it throughout. Let's go a little bit further down in standings. The Calgary Stampeders were the standard bearer in terms of being that upper echelon team. They've fallen back to the pack a little bit. What does Calgary need to do this offseason? What's the biggest need? Listen, when I look at the Calgary Stampeders and I think about the years of success that they've had over the years, they did it not just by the great talent that they had on the field, but by great schemes, by their ability to just move people. And I'm looking at the offense. I'm looking at the offensive line. I would love to see the offense run through the offensive line, whether it's through the running game with Kadeem Carey or Mr. Mayor, just having a little bit more time to process his reads. They have some playmakers as well on, on the at the receiver position. But if I were to focus on, on the Calgary Stampeders, I would look at the offensive line and sturdy that, uh, that position up a little bit more. Go to Saskatchewan, your former defensive coordinator, now head coach, Corey Mason. I mean, first things first, he needs to fill out staff. Uh, so I, I understand that you keep his text message just unread. You're not responding to those requests. But I think it's not even a position. It's a personality trait. They need some dogs. Talk about dog of the week. They're a team that had the talent based off some of the teams they upset, but also at times for long stretches, they seemed disinterested. And we kind of said, we believe they could make a push for the playoffs. That never really happened. They need some Corey Masons, quite frankly, some dogs, some leaders. And I think more than anything, I think he needs to change the culture of that locker room. In Edmonton, we saw a change in culture when they had a change in quarterback. And so there was this much different team after it was the Trey area in Edmonton. What do you expect to see in free agency from the Elks? Man, in, in Edmonton, I would say the same thing. I say a little bit more uh, com competition at the various positions, specifically dealing with the production at the receiver position. They are going to be, uh, they're going to have to have a lot of production just to keep 
Trey a little bit more focused on what he's doing other than just, you know, running the ball. We know what he can do. We absolutely know, and he is going to be the focal part of that offense, but we need to see different playmakers, whether it's in the backfield or the receiver position, for them to, to move forward. What I do like that they did make last year, the change in the offensive uh, coordinator in Jairus Jackson, he made a huge difference in, in the way that they were playing last year. I think they're having a little bit more quick game, guys that can catch the ball and run down the field. Geno Lewis is a guy that can do that, but they got to utilize him even more and uh, find another guy that can do exactly just that. We'll stay at the bottom of the standings, but switch from west to east. When I look at the Ottawa Red Blacks, they need a QB. Since Henry Burris and Trevor Harris left, they have tried and tried and tried. They have not fixed the QB position. They had two at the same time, and both you know could end up being Hall of Famers. Now they have none. They have to throw as much resources and as m- many lottery balls at the position as possible. Obviously, Jeremiah Msoli will be trying to, once again, come back from injury. Uh, we saw what we liked at times from Crum, but it wasn't consistent. Some of the high-named backups, like a Drew Brown, uh, should be in the mix. For me, it needs to be a QB competition coming out of camp with three, four, maybe even five viable options. Uh, that's a position they need to figure out how they're going to get right if they want to stay pace with the other teams in the East. When we look at your team, the, the team that you were with, the Toronto Argonauts, what do you see as the potential needs for the Argos in a free agency? Listen, it's tough. It's tough. It, after a 16 and 2 season, it's really hard to nitpick on, hey, look, you need to improve here, there, and all and whatsoever. But the biggest thing and the reality of the situation is in Toronto is that there's a lot of free agents. We looked at the top 30 last week. We saw a lot of Toronto Argonauts on that list. And so the focus is really going to be on the front office to try and retain and keep as many guys on that list as possible and uh continue on that run so that they can also find themselves again in the great cup like we did uh, last year in 2022. So it'll be interesting to see, obviously, with the changes that are happening in the coaching staff with Corey Mace's departure. But you still want to try and keep as many guys in the locker room as possible. It's hard to nitpick one particular position. But at this point is who can we keep in the locker room? No question. When you look at Montreal, how do you nitpick a team that was the hottest to end the season and won the great cup? To me, I think their free agency was done early by keeping some of their veterans. But when you keep veterans, it gets expensive. I actually think for them, the best offseason is prioritizing the draft, getting as many draft picks as possible. When you look at them winning, yeah, those veterans were big. But on both sides of the ball, key plays made by Canadians who they prioritized, selected, identified, and developed via the draft. I think if they want to have sustained success, it's going to be by developing Canadians, because let's be honest, it's cheap labor. You get someone who can play at a high level early on a rookie deal, specifically as a Canadian, that is a great balancer in the market when you have to sometimes overpay for agents to come to your city. And last but not least, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, who slowly but surely went from back-to-back Grey Cup appearances being minutes yards away from winning a great cup at home to now have changes at the quarterback position changes 
in the front office, changes on the coaching staff. There are going to be some changes in free agency. What do you expect them to be? I think there's a lot of changes that are going to happen in Hamilton. Um, they need a facelift. That's the reality. Um, new coaching staff, at least a new head coach. And Coach Milanovic is a guy that's been around, and he knows what he wants, and he knows what he likes. This is a guy that's been around and is very, um, very opinionated. Let's put it like that. But he's in a locker room that now, having been in, on the team for, you know, the second half of the season with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, he knows who's in the locker room. He knows already by now who he wants to keep and who his main guys are going to be. What they need to do and what I anticipate Coach Milanovic doing is really developing an identity for that offense. Now, look, let's define let's define exactly who we're going to be on offense, but also who is going to be my quarterback. Because let's be honest, Coach Milanovic was in that meeting room probably when the decision was made for Bo Levi Mitchell not to play in their last game. And so he's going to have to make a big decision as far as who's going to be slaying the ball for him, but also what is the identity of this offense going to be like? So RP talked earlier about sometimes as a coach, you don't have the time to develop a young QB. One thing that they will have in Saskatchewan, although they always want to win immediately, is with a new coach, they, they will have the benefit of time. If they go young in Saskatchewan, whether it's with Jake Delgado or bring in someone who could be you know the next big one like a Drew Brown, and you're looking to see a landing spot for Trevor Harris, I would not be surprised if Scott Milanovic teams back up Trevor Harris, someone who has been in his system before, someone who is a prototype for his system in terms of accurate, takes what he gives them, is using the width of the football field. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the musical chairs at the quarterback position. And a lot of that will be dictated by what happens with two new head coaches, one in Hamilton, one in Saskatchewan. We talked about that new head coach in Hamilton, Scott Milanovic. And we touched on it last week, but we recorded a few days before it became official. It was our educated guess, but we weren't certain. Now we are. So knowing what this team needs to win a great cup of 2024, and you talked about some of the issues, what are your thoughts on the announcement and the reshuffle of the organization in Hamilton? I mean, it's tough to go wrong with a guy who's proven, a guy who's been there, who's a guy who's done that. And so him being in the locker room and in that uh, the front the the front office as well as in coaching staff already is something that you know they obviously value and his opinion definitely matters in the locker room and so obviously they went with a guy who has a lot of experience who's done it before as opposed to Mark Washington who's still in the building and uh, who will undoubtedly continue to um, you know get his defense to perform at a high level and so it's 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 an interesting decision but. It's hard to go wrong with a uh, with a guy that's been there and done that. Real interesting to see how their offseason plays out. Scott Milanovic in the past was very involved in the draft in free agency, specifically in Toronto, working hand in hand with Jim Barker, someone who who coached him. Now you have a former coach in Coach O in the front office in the president's role. Uh, you have Ed Hervey as the GM, and then how does Scott Milanovic have input in what happens in the offseason? Those are things that'll be interesting to watch. We will be watching it and commenting on it throughout the off season. So make sure you don't miss a thing. Subscribe on YouTube if you want to see our beautiful faces. If not, listen on Spotify and Apple or wherever you get your podcast. But either way, make sure you share with your friends. 
like, favorite, and subscribe. We'll talk to you next time.